Welcome to Oakright's podcast, In The Frame. My name is Tim Crump. This series is all about your journey through self-build, and we are going to aim to answer any questions that you may have and how we can help you to incorporate a beautiful oak frame within your dream construction. I have Helen Needham here, and we are talking about plot finding, how to find your plot. Finding your dream building plot is a two-part episode. So in part one, we're going to discuss three points. Firstly, an introduction to building plots, then how to find a dream building plot, and then thirdly, what types of plot are there out there? If you are moving into an area, if you know the area, get talking to people, get networking. I could not count up the amount of bungalows that we have uh, gobbled up and built beautiful oak-framed houses on the site instead. Finding the perfect plot that's in your mind is impossible. You do need that bit of flexibility. So welcome, Helen. I'm going to start with a point one, and that is plot finding introduction. So tell us all about it, Helen. Okay. I um, I think the the hardest part in the process is actually finding the plot. Um, so I think it's really sensible to dedicate time to it. Um, it's a project in itself. Um, so, for example, if you're a couple, you might suggest that you take a Tuesday or a Wednesday evening together to really start searching on the internet and there'll be a separate section on um, how to how and where to search for plots um, and it could be as the uh, the plot finding search ramps up you might take decide to take a Saturday or a Sunday with each other and um, start to have a look around the plots. It's funny how how things have changed there really I, I remember in my early days it would always be getting the Hereford Times, looking through the property section and um, searching for all the, the, the plots for sale, whereas now it is you know, it is all online, really, isn't it? Zoopla, Absolutely, Plot yes. Finder. Mm. And, um, and, and and that's how we get... And it was, so things have changed and things have moved on. It does, in some ways, make it a lot easier, doesn't it? So, Absolutely. There's so, there's so much content out there, sometimes too much, so it's really good to refine your search. Um, Firstly, in terms of the area that you want to be in. So you need to know where you want to be. You need to focus that area. Um, So again, as a couple, if you're looking for um, a certain... um, If you're, for example, living in Leicestershire and your family's in Devon, um, you're retiring and you you can't keep your search too wide. You can't think, okay, I'll be in Lincolnshire or Devon. It's probably a bit too wide. You need to actually make that decision. Well, we've, we've got grandchildren in Devon. We'd like to retire, be around family. You know then that's your decision and, you know, you can refine your search to there. Interesting. It's uh, I've always found it difficult dealing with the the, the sales for oak rights, and you you meet lots of customers. And the two most tricky ones are when somebody says, "I'm looking for a plot." And you say, Absolutely fantastic. Where, whereabouts are you looking? I said, "We don't mind anywhere." You know, ah, right. Okay, that's that's a bit challenging. Yeah. Or you get the other end of a scale where you say, "Well, we live in a little village in Hertfordshire, and we we want to live within about two miles." And you say, "Right, okay, that that's quite." restrictive and it's going to be quite difficult yes almost easier in a way than than, than anywhere because when you open your when you open up to try and hunt for anywhere well that that is just a massive task isn't it whereas slightly more restricted or or to pick an area probably not within two miles of a certain village but a general county and a side of a county maybe i i think probably does work that way do you absolutely i think um 
yes, focusing in on your area. You can't be too focused. You might say, okay, we're going to move to Devon. It could be, okay, we'll, we'll, you pick villages or towns that you you want to be near, but uh, being as specific as I want to be within two or three streets, it's just too specific. You'll never find your your plot in that way. So you really, um, you need to refine your search, but equally it's good to be flexible within that. Um, and, and just keep your eyes and ears out for, for different um, signs of plots. So um, yeah, I think it's about being f- flexible. I, I, yes, and also I, I found or used to find back in the, in the good old days, and I think would still be relevant now, is once you sort of define your area, say it might be a certain side of a county that's got a, a motorway within striking distance to get to the grandchildren down in Devon or wherever. But once you sort of decide upon the general area, then quite often it, it can be good to go to the local um, towns and go to see the the local estate agents or certainly speak to them on the telephone and try and identify what are the better villages. What are the villages that command the higher value? Now, and also the other side of it is what areas are up and coming. So do you either go for a, uh, an established area where you're going to be paying top, top dollar for a plot or if you're looking, if you ask and if they say, well, an up and coming area, you might find somewhere that you get a better deal going forward you're by building a lovely house you're adding value to that area which then increases in value and increases the value of your house which was on a plot that you bought which was at a better level of price at the time yes yeah absolutely i think it's really important when you do go to that uh, estate agent as well to to know Again, refining your search, do you want to be in a countryside area or a suburban area or a village or a coastal area? So again, as a couple, it's about what's if you're going as a couple or you're doing it individually or as a family. It could be if you're um, countryside people and you want to um, look at wildlife and you enjoy the peace and quiet. That could be a really, really good choice for you. And again, that just helps the estate agent refine the area that you're looking for. Um, if you're looking for a suburban place, so it could be that you want something that's close to the schools, close to the shops, um, close to um, doctors, etc. It's it's um, it's uh, it will really help you refine that search. I think for families with with children, it does tend to come down to what school you'd like to go to, doesn't it? And and then it's the catchment Mm. area. And that catchment area can dictate the value of plots because if you've got a very Mm. high-scoring school and a very popular school and people want to move into that area, don't they, the catchment area, then the plots are going to be a little bit more expensive. So does that take into consideration? Yeah, I think you... you, And that um, evolves really onto budget and um, speaking to the estate agent, knowing what your budget is and um, knowing if you are willing to pay a little bit more to be in the, the place that you want to be in it, it's it's the single most biggest part of the investment really the land um, so it's an important one really really important one finding finding that plot but I think it's important to say um, finding the perfect plot that's in your mind is impossible you do need that bit of flexibility yes and if you had any uh, in, but when the inquiries come in, is there any in your mind that you think, well, wow, that was a, quite a wacky one and uh, something that's a bit un- unusual? And uh, is there any that spring to mind on that front? There's, we've had so many. I, I see so many plots on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Um, it's really exciting. And I, I love getting to know the clients and their brief and why they've chosen certain plots. Um, 
sometimes uh, clients come to us and they've chosen the plot because of the views. And um, I, I love going to sites and actually seeing the view and then knowing actually to, to create a design for them, we need to create some lovely picture windows to open up that view. And um, also looking at the orientation on the site and that, that leads into the design. But um, I think as for wacky sites, um, there's there's been so many. I think I th uh, the the great thing about um, constraints on sites is that it can really um, get you thinking about bespoke design and creating something completely unique to the site and to the client. So, um, for example, if you have um, lots of trees on a site, lots of tree canopies, lots of um, root protection areas, you're, you're starting to have to manoeuvre the building lines around that. And it can, you, I often see it not as a con constraint, but something that helps you design because you're giving those defining factors to, to, to create a really unique bespoke design. I did recently um, drive down to Somerset and uh, I called into one of the projects that you had designed there and I was quite amazed by how almost you'd uh, intertwine the house around the, the, the roof protection zone, of the root protection zones on the trees. But it works wonderfully well on a, on a sloping site and will be a magnificent house when complete. And the other thing, the, the, the moment in time that we are where we're, we are now just currently coming out of lockdown or we're hoping to come out of lockdown this summer summer of 2021 how have you found it over the last year with zoom how is that how is how are those meetings work for you has that been a success or how have you found i've loved zoom and i think it's the it's the way to um go going forward because it it, it gives you that instant um if we design something, um, we can instantly put the model on on the computer and walk the the clients around their design, um, and you can get you can get um, an instant feel for the clients as to whether it's a like or a dislike for what you're doing, and you you evolve and work together and uh, shape that design together. So I think it's a really healthy process. Um, but I must admit, Tim, I've um, I've missed actually going out to site and seeing the clients and. Um, you can, there's there's a lot more you can get from actually meeting a client and uh, understanding them and their wish list for for a design. You do need to walk the ground sometimes, don't you, just to yes. see where the where the sun is rising, what 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 are, what is around. Which even on Google Maps, you can't always pick up exactly the best way a house may work on a site, and you just need to be there standing in standing in the field or standing where amongst the buildings that are going to be demolished to create the space, don't you? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I think going back to um, our points on uh, a plot finding introduction, one of one of the important points that we should um, recognise is signing up to the self build register. Yes. Um, we every council has a register, and um, every once you sign up, uh, it indicates the demand for self building in the area. Um, so clients, um, councils really have to understand uh, the the sites that are available and the demand that's um, there for them. So one top tip is to sign up for the self-build register. It's funny, isn't it, how through the country you're getting some councils which are very keen on the, on the self-build register, really take it into account, and you, you you can ring up and you speak to somebody and they know what you're talking about. And there are some councils where you ring up and, and it's as if it doesn't even exist. Yes. And that's a, it's a pity, but it is there. It is a, a requirement by government to have that, isn't it? And it will help it to promote self-build going forwards, which is a great thing. Yes, absolutely. No, it's a, it is... Um, uh, a 
piece of law that um, the councils have to abide by. And um, uh, I think it's a, a really great thing to be able to build your in-house and make something that's um, bespoke to you and the site. And, and it's it's nice that the councils are engaging in that way um, to, to, um, to target it. Lovely. I'm going to move on now. I'm going to, so we've gone through plot, point one, plot finding introduction. We're now going to move on to how to find a plot. Uh, so it's number two on our list. We have been discussing some of those points, but we'll gently move forwards now. So should we just talk about how to find a plot a little bit more and just to give a, a, a recap of what we've been speaking about? Yes. Um so to to um we've gone through a plot finding introduction some main points there to to um some top tips um how to find a plot um as we were saying there's there's so much content out there so much so much helpful information um but i've narrowed it down to four points here um the first one is the internet the obvious thing go to websites um go to right move refine your land uh, refine your search to a land search um, and obviously into the area that we've discussed, um, refine your area. Um, there's an excellent website called Plot Finder, um, and that puts you in touch with uh, estate agents who are selling land for people, but also um, private vendors. So I think that's a, a really good point of reference. There's lots of other search engines like Plot Finder, lots of other websites. So um, it's, it's a case of uh, looking through those, and there's, there's lots of great uh, content there. And I see here you've mentioned auctions as well, which is a, that can be a little bit nerve-wracking if you've never been to an auction before. I, I personally love auctions, but I must admit that um, I've bought a few plots at auction and it's always been a worry. I actually prefer auctions to sealed bids because I think it's open. You can see what's happening. You know who, who you're up against. Whereas a sealed bid, you've got no idea. You've just got to put your money, put your figure down. You send it in, and it's a worry. You don't know how I bid too much. If you win the plot, you're convinced you paid too much. If you lose it, you wish you'd bid a bit more. Whereas at auction, I think you know exactly where you stand. You've got, but you've got to pick your figure and do not move about that figure. And it's very tempted in the excitement of the moment to go on and find that you spent another 10, 20, 30, 40,000 pounds more than you anticipated. Mm. Now, I suppose there's an argument saying it's not overvalued as such because if somebody's bid um, 160,000, you bid 165 and you are only 5,000 over what the next person was willing to pay for that plot. But I would always say that um, <clears throat> if you're going to an auction, my, my one memory is that I was looking at a plot and I had, I'd sent the information or asked the solicitor to have a look at the information for me. Mm. And then I hadn't <clears throat> heard back from the solicitor. So on the day of the auction, I suddenly thought, oh, it's the auction today. I must get in and put a bid on this plot. Rang the, um, the solicitor and he said, oh, well, oh, Craig, pop in and see me. So I, I popped in to see the solicitor on the way. In, and he said, uh, just reading through in the details, it says about a, a clawback clause. And a clawback clause is where when you purchase a plot, if you gain any uplift in a period of time or if you gain an extra plot, the person who sells the plot can claim or claw back some of the value. Mm. So anyway, in the, in the particulars, uh, but I've got from the estate agent, it said that on this plot I was looking at, that um, you know it, it, it was down for one house. It had failed for two houses at planning previously. And if I gained the plot, it, you know, it was a clawback clause for the uplift in value. 
And I thought, oh, right, okay, well, no, I'll still go for it. And that sort of gave me a mind where I thought I would bid for the plot. Anyway, when I went in to see the solicitor, I remember him saying, well, Tim, he said, here, on these particulars from the estate agent, it says about a clawback clause. He said, but reading through the legal pack for the auction, there is no mention in the legal pack about a clawback clause. Mm. I said, right, okay, so what does that mean? He said, well, what it means is there is no requirement for clawback because it's not stated here. I said, are you sure about that? He said, absolutely. I said, okay. So I went in and the, the bidding went up, went up, went up. And I thought, right, it's getting to my point now. I'll make my first bid. I made a bid, one bid. That was it. I was sold. It was sold to me. I thought, oh, crikey, can't believe that. <laughs> so I went I went up and the, so the, the sellers were there and their, their solicitor was sat at the table. And uh, I went up and uh, said, hi, uh, you know, I'm Tim Crump. I bought the plot. I said, well, have a sit down and get the paperwork ready to go through. And what you have to remember with an auction, you have to pay your deposit there and then and, 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 and it is yours. Mm, yes, you know, that is, that yes. is it. The, the plot is yours. And um, so that's why you need to check all your paperwork beforehand because you cannot say, oh, I didn't really understand. No, no, you've won the bid. It is yours. And I said, look, I fully understand. I've won the bid. Uh, the plot is mine. I said, what we need to understand is that the bid or the, it was based on the legal pack. And within the legal pack, I said, well, here on the, on the estate agent's uh, particulars, it says there is a clawback clause, which I fully understand. But in the legal pack, there is no clawback clause. So therefore, I'm buying this plot based on the legal pack and there will be no clawback clause. Can you just clarify that for me? And um, the sellers looked rather shocked. The solicitor looked rather ashen-faced. <laughs> and uh, reading through, he said, I, yes, you're correct, but there mm. is no clawback clause. So, so we bought the plot. We had the plot for quite a considerable time. And now we do have two houses built on that plot. So it just shows that by back to what you said earlier, you need to treat it like a like a campaign. It's a mm. mission. You've got yeah. to do your footwork, got to do your homework, haven't you, to work your way through and gain get a real understanding. And don't rush. Yes. I think take your time, isn't it? I, th I think that's a brilliant story and um, a brilliant example. I think... Um, it's really worth paying a good conveyancing solicitor to to look into that information for you as well before, like you say, when you um, put in that bid, once the hammer goes down, that's the exchange of contracts and that's yours. You're, you're committed to that. Um, so it's really important for that solicitor to work on your behalf as well. Look at the legal pack alongside you. Um, there can be, in the deeds, there, there can be covenants um, attached to those and it's really important to see what those may be. Um, they, they can look at things like land registry for you, look at the actual site boundaries, um, see any little parcels of land like ransom strips, something to watch mm, out for. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, I think it's so important to have a solicitor working on your behalf. So um, things like uh, footpaths, rights of way, you know, when we're designing, it's not just allowing access through for a right of way. It's also um, making sure that uh, we're also, we talked about the views out earlier, you know, designing something that has lovely picture windows to really take in that view. 
but also you want to think about uh, your privacy if people are walking past your your site um and equally the views in for for them how how is the building uh, the potential building impacting the landscape so as designers we'll be looking at that and all of this is really important when we tie it back to a solicitor and look at looking at these uh, covenants for us so just to recap how to find the plot four points you said and we've got uh the internet websites, Right Move, Plot Finder. Number two, auctions, which, which we've discussed. Three, the planning portal, council website and approvals. Yes, so um, on every council uses the planning portal and um, they they show all planning um, history on there to a certain point, to, a, to normally to about the year 2000, and then um, they, they do go, go back as far as the 1960s and 70s. Um, but the... The important thing here on finding a plot, um, some applicants will go and um, uh, gain planning approval for a new, new house and may just be doing it to, in order to to sell the plot um, or, or, or they may in a position not to be able to um, pursue it. So it's worth keeping an eye on the planning portal, having a look at those approvals in the areas that you're looking for and then seeing approaching the applicant or their agent to see if, if, if they're willing to sell that land. Yes. The final one you've got here is never understate, underestimate the word of mouth. It's That's so important. If you are moving into an area, if you know the area, get talking to people, get networking and um, get to know the local estate agents. We've mentioned them, but also any build specialists in particular. So builders, um, surveyors, architects, designers. Go to they the local not... pub. <laughs> go, go to the local pub. Absolutely. The local shop. Um and people may just know of plots, and the the, the word of mouth is yeah. is a great way to to um, gain knowledge. Even if it's not um, buying plots, you may find some useful insight. Yes, good. So that's uh, that's point two. So we're now going to move on to the type of plots. And I think as we go through here, we'll find we do discuss different points in, it, but we'll try and on each one then go into a little bit more detail. So the the type of pot, the type of plots. Yes. Uh, well, first point here, I've got site. You can either go for a brownfield or a greenfield site. Um, brownfield sites are previously developed um, lands generally, and uh, greenfields is, as it says, virgin land that hasn't been built on. Um, something to watch out for is um, if I'd, I'd um, suggest the anything outside of what is known as the, the known settlement boundary is going to be. A, a struggle in yes. planning terms um it's not to say that you can't build there but it is going to be make things tricky for you um but if it's brownfield land uh, there's lots of uh, things that lots of instances where where we may be able to uh, pursue planning for you on that for example infill plots or backland mm. developments um the second point um there, I think the obvious thing to do is to actually buy a house with a plot, um, buy a plot with a, a house or a bungalow already on it that um, needs replacing. Um, we have, uh, as you know, Tim, sometimes clients that come to us, and they they're unsure as to whether to convert a house or whether they go for it and actually replace it, and it it, it can be quite a hearts and minds decision really. Um, I always find the funny thing there is everything comes down to money at the end of the day, really, doesn't it? And uh, you, you're building your dream, um, but you, you could have a bungalow which you could renovate. And we have gone in and added a floor onto bungalows. And it's a great thing with bungalows because normally 
the older bungalows do tend to sit on a, on a larger plot, don't they? Yes. So you've got a nice big garden. And uh, if you could pick a, a sort of a 1950s bungalow up or a 1930s bungalow up, they're a little bit tired, aren't they? They've reached the end of their life and you can you can re- renovate those or, or bring them up, 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 up to specification. Now, the one thing though is you have to look at, if you knock down and build a new house, it's zero rated for VAT, which mm-hmm. is a consideration, mm-hmm. isn't it? And um, so I always say to people, look, you could probably renovate the house for, say, maybe 200000 maybe 300000 if you're really going for it. Um, or you could knock down and build a new house, but that new house will possibly cost you 500000 to build. And um, so your 300000 though, will have VAT, so you're paying £60,000 for, for nothing, but you are spending three hundred and sixty. By building a new house at five hundred, you're spending five hundred to pay no, zero VAT. So it's a, but you are still spending a lot more money. So it does come down to how things work for you. But that is interesting. Yes, a bungalow on a plot probably in the last twenty-two years of Oakrites, I could not count up the amount of bungalows that we have uh, gobbled up and built beautiful oak-framed houses on the site instead. It's it's often um, it's often an easy decision to make if the, if the building is um, clearly at the end of its lifespan to create a lovely new energy efficient house to to your your forever home a lot of the time your dream home something that's bespoke to you and your wish list um, it's it's often an easy decision to make but I would say just be careful that um, it's not list it absolutely not a listed building no. that can't happen. Um, do be careful it's not a heritage asset um, uh, asset or a non-designated heritage asset. There are things to watch for there. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's a, an obvious decision to uh, to see an old 1930s bungalow that's tired at the end of its lifespan and to replace it with something new and vibrant. Or the old cult bungalows, the, the yes. wooden cult bungalows, lots of those which were great in their time, did the job imported from Canada. Uh, but they have reached the end of their life, most of those. And it is normally they're quite large, which is good. So you can get some good f- footprint for your house. And uh, and they, are, they normally tend to sit on a reasonable size plot. But, Absolutely, uh, yes. Yeah. Good. And they, they often have um, the infrastructure there. So they'll have a driveway into the... The bungalow, they'll have trees and planting already there. So it's a, it's a great, great way to find a plot. Water, electric, all up to where the house is, which does save quite a considerable amount of money when you're when you're going forwards and with your budget, you know, having to allow for fresh, um, depending how far away, if you get a greenfield plot, how far away from the electric is it to bring that cable in? How far away from the water? Um, whereabouts is the sewerage going to go? Yes. Um, and, and those are all things to consider for cost aren't they absolutely um and uh, we're relying more and more on the internet now as well and to, but that said um there there are renewables as well so we we can um we obviously install a lot of um or our clients install air and ground source heat pumps and coupled with solar panels so yes yeah, re- re- don't discount the plots that don't have that gas and electric to them because there there are other uh, ways and means now with renewables okay. good so, what else have we got here, Helen? So, um, types of plots, uh, sensitive areas such as green belt, um, areas of outstanding natural beauty and conservation areas. It's not to say we can't build on them, but tra- planning will be um, trickier in those areas. So, um, uh, again, it, this, this is where you may bring in a specialist to start looking to see, it, see if planning is possible. Um, 
So as a department, when you're going out to look at plot, how do you assess, what are your assessments as to whether you carry out the planning or you bring somebody else? What do you think there? What, what, how does that process normally work? That's um, an interesting question. We, we can handle a lot of planning applications ourselves within Oakwhites. Um, we have a good, good amount of planning knowledge. We understand um, planning um, national, regional and local pl planning policy. Um, however, there it's brilliant to bring in. Um, we often bring in a planning specialists where it's really, really needed to where they can concentrate on policy and we can concentrate concentrate on design. Yes. Um, so as a team, that can that can work really, it's really well. Team effort, it's, if it's a bit tricky. If it's if it's a bit sensitive, and the areas I highlighted there, green green belt areas of outstanding natural beauty, conservation areas. We have dealt with those um, on our own, but it may be those kind of tricky issues where we decide to pull in a planning consultant and, and they, they, they're they absolutely worth their, their weight in gold a lot of the time. Good, good. I have found with some planning consultants in the past where I think if they say yes, or by the time it gets to the point of them being willing to back you and say, yes, we're going to get planning, I think, well, it's such a dead cert that even I, who am not an architect or a planning consultant, would would be able to gain the planning. I think you need to, if you're going to go down the route of a planning consultant, you've got to find somebody who's quite brave and willing to give it a really good pitch for you and, and, yes. and fight the battle. Because some I, I have historically found, I feel that, Sometimes, and I could be incorrect, but I get a feeling and think, dearie me, you know, let's give it a go. Let's get stuck in. <laughs> yes. and, uh, and quite often that's when you're surprised. Yeah. And if you want a 100% track record of success as an architect or as a planning consultant, then that means you're going to be safe. You almost need somebody who does get some uh, failure or, or lack of success because they're pushing it to the limit, pushing the boundaries try and gain for you the self-builder that plot that possibly shouldn't be a plot but once you gain that plot that's where the value is created isn't it absolutely i think um firstly I, th I think it's really really important to use someone that's experienced in planning they they know what they're saying when when they um advise you it is possible to get planning but we know planning is always a risk and um what you need is a, a positive consultant behind you or a designer behind you that believes in what you're doing, that believes in the design. And and, and that's what will help um, sell it to the council to show that you actually, um, you're doing a meaningful design and you you want to create this beautiful uh, new home in, the, in the, probably a lot of the time in the countryside. And um, yeah, you, you're you're well-meaning in that, that sense, but you need that experience and planning policy understanding behind you. And quite often I get asked this question when I'm when, I, when people are talking to me about you know, can you can you gain planning consent for us and people will say if I design an oak framed house will the planners be more open to my design and more willing to accept my design now do you do you think that is the case or what would you say there I th we um I would say the the planners generally are more they're they're very interested in the external appearance of a, a building. That's what they're very concerned with. However, we have won planning cases showing our wonderful build system by by showing we we as Oakwrights we um, we build a, generally a post and beam style frame with a frame on the inside wrapped with our software encapsulation system, and it's you can then clad it in in whatever material. 
and that it creates a really energy efficient greenhouse and that green agenda has been used to um, push forward planning approvals. Good stuff. Yes. This is the conclusion of episode two, part one of how to find your dream building plot. I would like to say thank you to Helen, our head of architecture for all of her help. We discussed three points, an introduction to building plots, how to find your dream building plot, and then finally the different types of building plot out there. We do go into episode two, part two, where there is a lot more detail on finding your dream building plot. If you have enjoyed this episode, please join me on episode two, part two. Thank you.